we should have the power and and the, the, the knowledge to be able to make the right decisions about where we get care based on convenience, based on access, based on cost. Um, and really that's that's what we're focused on doing. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the Founders in LA podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Cole, and this is an opportunity to shine the spotlight through the product lens on some of the exceptional founders we have as part of the LA community in an unedited, one-take, organic conversation. Our guest today is Ahmed Marmouche. Thank you so much for coming down to the studio today, Ahmed. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right. Love the excited to talk to you and handle health. Uh, but first, a word from our sponsors, Founders in LA, brought to you by United Club. United Club is a co-working space that sets itself apart with locations in El Segundo, Manhattan Beach, and Hermosa. United is where creativity flourishes. Unlike traditional offices, they provide an inspiring environment where ideas can thrive and businesses can grow. With United, there's no hidden fees, flexible terms, options for dedicated offices, and unlimited access to conference rooms, a photo studio, this podcast studio, plus standard and 3D printers and 24-7 access at any of their locations. They're local champions who support neighborhood businesses, open their event spaces to nonprofits, and celebrate art, music, and culture. Join United Club and experience co-working like never before. Learn more at www.unita.club. We're also brought to you by the Product Managers Association Los Angeles, available at pma.la. They're the largest professional organization for product and designers in LA. With more than 4,000 members from over 500 companies, they host monthly meetups, organize the Product Leader Council, and have a mentorship program where they connect working product managers with students from underrepresented groups to build a better, more, more diverse next gen. Learn more at pma.la. With us today is Ahmed Marmouche. He's the CEO and founder of Handle Health. And uh, Ahmed, could you just give us a 30-second description of Handle Health? Sure thing. At Handle Health, we're building the next generation of health insurance for our employers. Most of us actually rely on our employers for health insurance in the U.S., and uh, the cost of health insurance is second only to payroll. The best part is nobody knows the cost of healthcare, not even when we're going to get a service, but importantly, not also not our employers who are designing the plans from the ground up. So what we've built is a platform that calculates the cost of healthcare, and it's used by HR leaders and their benefits brokers to design insurance plans for their employees. And then once they activate the insurance plan, the employee can use that same data to be able to find the care they need and understand exactly how much they can expect to pay. Oh man, that that is a that is definitely a, a pain point that hits home. Like I couldn't tell you how many times you've gone. I've gone to the the doctor's office, and the staff themselves don't know the literal costs of the things that they're doing. They have a sense of the care that you could or should get. Um, and I guess there, and oftentimes there's kind of trade-offs that they, they do or don't do internally, but, uh, the true customer cost is rarely understood by the folks who are providing the care. Yes. And I think that's doubly or triply when you're talking about, you know, the HR people within your company who are helping you determine what plan you should get or helping determine like what plan the company should start subscribing to or not, uh, so you're, you're providing visibility uh, in a place where it's it's super murky. That's incredible. Thank you. Yes, it's uh, it's 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 no small challenge to to be able to do. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. You know, it's often we are going into to receive care, and the people that we're receiving care uh, from have no idea 
how much healthcare costs. And the reason for that is that these contracts that exist between insurance carriers and between providers are negotiated in dark rooms by people that are considered administrators, right? So they're nowhere near the, the front line of care delivery or, or receiving care. And then through a raft of, of long and, and uh, archaic processes um, that have, have existed and sort of evolved over time to protect the interests of both doctors and the insurance carriers, it's created more and more uh, convoluted and difficult to interpret and understand rules for how healthcare is even processed and how a bill is generated. And so the entire thing just needs to be wiped clean and, and really designed with the consumer in mind and with technology in mind. And really, that's that's the world that we're we're hoping to to build. Uh, that's a world I'd like to live, love to live in. It reminds me of, um, I believe it was a, it was a news article or it was, a, it was a story on NPR at some point, and it, it was an interview with an executive at an insurance company. And whoever was the interviewer, it actually could have been Kai Rizdal, it could have been Marketplace. Uh, I think he pulled out like uh, one of those things that comes in the mail, says, this is not a bill, and handed it to that leader and asked, hey, could, could you explain what this is to me? Because I don't understand. It's not a bill. Like, what is it? And that that leader had difficulty trying to explain what that thing was that was mailed and what it meant and what all the things in that that uh, that envelope actually meant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. We often uh, use the analogy of like a, a restaurant menu without the prices. And to some extent, you know, it is the provider's responsibility to select the right options from the menu based on what you need. Uh, but why is it that the price can't be there and that people can understand that, you know, if, if, if you're buying a certain item off that menu, that it will cost X specifically for you based on your insurance plan and how much you spent towards your deductible and out-of-pocket maximum. Yeah, and, uh, you, know, you know, from a, a personal note, you know, my, my wife is a nurse and she deals, she's in a labor delivery and, and deals with, you know, a wide range of, of patients. You know, some are more well-off, some are not. Um, and so some of these decisions that need to be made in the room uh, can be challenging. So, you know, is, is this particular thing that maybe isn't nice to have that we do for most of our patients and it may or may not really impact the outcome and certainly doesn't hurt the health of the patient, is that something they want to do? Well, the nurse doesn't know the true monetary cost and the patient may not even know that it's a thing that they can get charged for. Yeah, uh, I, We certainly had that one when one of my kids was uh was born there was i forget what it was but there was some charge and we're like what is what is this oh we thought that this was like something that they were doing for like something that came as part of the price and then it, it showed up as a bill in our door um and you know i forget which one but it is potential that like we may not have done it had we known the cost yeah yeah there is this challenge of of information and knowledge asymmetry right as patients, we can't be expected to have the knowledge of our care providers. And so we are immediately in a, in a position of, 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 of information asymmetry or being slightly disadvantaged from that perspective. And so we trust our care providers to make those decisions on our behalf. And often they're not doing um, anything malicious, right? They're not, they're not making these decisions to the detriment of our pocket. They're probably doing it to the debt, uh, to the, to the, um, you know, to trying to cure you to get to the right outcome. 
Um, but there are downstream consequences of that um, that we often feel both from an employer perspective in their pockets. And then that is passed down to the employee and we feel it as, as employees, but also as consumers in our pockets. So how did you find yourself in this problem space? Um, it's certainly one that is pervasive in America um, based on uh, based on your accent and, and our pre-interview. And it sounds like you may not be from here. How, how did you find yourself trying to solve this particular problem in this market? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an interesting story. Um, it starts with actually me being a pharmacist by training. I, uh, I come from a family of pharmacists. And so helping people has just been in our DNA. It's just what, what we're born to sort of believe that we're supposed to do, right? Um, and when I first started practicing as a pharmacist, I was frustrated by working in a system that I felt wasn't equipped to help people like clinicians succeed, for example, or patients succeed. Um, and so I dedicated the best part of about a decade of my career working and consulting, um, trying to solve some of the systemic challenges in healthcare, but from a, a management administration and policy perspective. And that took me around the world. I had the chance to work across New Zealand, Australia, the UK. And then in 2019, I had the opportunity to, to come to the US to help um, with building out a, a practice focused on digital health. And interestingly, it was very much focused on how do we bring the principles of uh, government-sponsored healthcare around maximizing population health outcomes, using technology to reduce total cost of care, and really focusing on minimizing spend to improve the well-being of, 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 of patients. And uh, through that process, I, I came to the US and realized, A, my employer was responsible for my healthcare, which I thought was extremely perplexing. And then B, I realized they just simply weren't equipped with the infrastructure, with the technology, or the time, quite frankly, to effectively design insurance plans. Um, and so uh, the more I sort of dug into this problem, the more I saw how much inefficiency and waste was going into the system that you and I ultimately pay. And that's when I decided it was, it was really time to dig into this problem. And it just so happened at that point in time that huge pieces of legislation, landmark pieces of legislation were passed in the US that mandated that the, pub, the prices of, of healthcare were to start being published publicly. And they it just overwhelmed the industry with thousands of, and actually hundreds of millions of, of, of pricing data points. Wow, so you, you found yourself at, at this point, you know, and maybe part of it comes from the fact that you, could, you saw what the good life could be like. You saw uh, in, in other places how healthcare could be more transparent, and then you arrive in the States at a time of the dawn of transparency. Exactly, well summarized. Yeah, that's incredible. And so, um, you know, you decide to, to form this business. How did you decide to go about, like, how did you find your first clients? This isn't, uh, you know, this isn't really a consumer app. It's not something you can just go on Instagram and start advertising. How, how did you, how did you get those first clients? Yeah. You know, it's funny. We, uh, we started with, with one mission. It was to equip consumers like us with the information we needed to make um, the right decision about where to get healthcare. And um, it was a, a bold vision, I think you could describe it as. And we learned very quickly through that process how many actors were involved in um, the formulation of insurance plans and access to healthcare. 
And so we started with the idea that we would empower the consumer. And where that journey took us to was really about understanding uh, the role of the employer and the um, different actors that held data that was so critical or pivotal to us being able to calculate the cost of healthcare accurately and down to an individual level where it was personalized so it was relevant to you. And that journey in itself, wow, it had some, uh, <laughs> there was a roller coaster ride. You could say that, uh, to say the least. <laughs> and how many years was that, that roller coaster? Um, I would say, you know, we, we, uh, we incorporated about a year and a half ago. Um, and we've been doing, I would say about, it's been about a two year journey of, of doing this on off the side of our plates for a while and, and doing some of this learning and discovery. And it sounds like it was, you know, what you're describing is really, you know, product market fit and trying to identify, you know, do we, should we go, you know, B to C, should we go, you know, directly to consumers or should we go B to B, which is, you know, go, should we work for, for other companies and about other companies? Um, and where have you landed today? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I think you, you summarized it well there. And where we landed was today we are a, a B2B company. And part of that was the the process of, of discovering um, where we were best positioned and the capabilities we had to be able to enact the most change and create the most value. And what was really interesting for me was we had done a, you know, a competitive analysis. We knew who the players were in the market. Um, but what we, I think, initially failed to realize was the influence and the decision making that happens on behalf of our end users and the, therefore the, the, the sometimes misaligned incentives that exist between end users and buyers. And so I could talk a lot more detail about the specifics there, but it's important to understand the nuance of who uses your products and who pays for your products. And we ultimately landed on this, uh, this concept of, of serving HR leaders and, and their channel partners who are benefits brokers to help them design the best, the best plans and use our data to power different applications that meet the needs of or, or are, are put in front of employees to help them find the right care. Oh, man. Well, let's double click a little bit into it. Um, so where you, you started from B2C, so you're looking like, hey, you know, Ethan, how can we help you when you walk into a, an office understand what the menu of things are and how much they cost and for, for various you know, forces that that wasn't the right path. But the way you've where you've landed is identifying that, wow, another large piece of this puzzle is who is making the plans that you are even able to access, uh, you know, through your job and helping those people better identify what it is, because that I guess what you're saying, and this is this is interesting, and I've never really put too much thought into it, but the plans, since most plans, health plans are run through companies, the end customer, if you will, from the health insurance companies really is that HR person who's deciding whether they're not going to buy X number of subscriptions to your product, or at least put it as an option for your employees. So as put it, put on the hat of the health insurance company, the product side of the health insurance company, the people I really care about are the folks that you are talking to, the, the, the HR folks who are determining which healthcare plan to use. Uh, and that actually determines my 
to many degrees, in many ways, that determines my success rather than the actual happiness of the end user. Not that not to say they don't think that way, but when it comes down to you know who is their customer, their customer really is this B two B HR counterpart. You got it. Yeah, and wow. I mean the, the the silver lining in all this is the you know the HR leader. Um, they're really there to represent the voice of the employees. You know, that the things that that they think are, are critical are firstly, how engaged and happy are, are, are our employees with their benefits and are they are they productive because they have access to the right healthcare? And then are we paying the appropriate amount for the amount of access and services that that our employees are getting? And so what we learned in, in going through that discovery was, HR leaders were not equipped with the right data to be able to make the informed choices that they needed to about the different plans that they should be building and designing from from the bottom up. And once they hit go on that, the information never really passes down to the employee or the employee's family to be able to make the most of that plan because there's huge variation in the cost of care, even within a single plan. And we should have the power and, and the, the, the knowledge to be able to make the right decisions about where we get care based on convenience, based on access, based on cost. Um, and really that's, that's what we're focused on doing. Oh, that's fantastic. And what, what's next for, for Handel? You know, we're, um, we've had a, we've had a lot of success this year. It's, it's been a, a very exciting journey for us. Um, finding, you know, the, the, the beginnings of product market fit and, and really starting to see what, um, what true value looks like for our, our, our customers and, and users. Um, you know, we, we're building a wait, wait list at the moment of customers that want to work with us into next year. And so we're, uh, on the verge of, of closing our seed round actually, and that's going to help us to, to essentially double our team in size. And with that, really focus on, on building out version two of our platform, um, which will be far more user-friendly um, and it will help us to hit the scale that we need to, um, to serve hopefully a, a huge number of clients going into next year. Uh, it's, that's fantastic, Ahmed. Uh, and yeah, please, please help this solve this problem. It's something we need help with. Um, grounding this in, in LA, um, you know what? What's the uh, what's the most LA thing that's that's happened to you? And this can be tech related or not. Yes. Um, okay. So so we mentioned I think at, at the beginning that um, I'm from New Zealand originally, um, and so in New Zealand the biggest sport in the nation is rugby, and so rugby is is another thing that's in my DNA, right? Um, nice. <laughs> and so every every place I go to, I, I usually um, try and find a local rugby team. And uh, the most LA thing about rugby in LA is that it's uh, rugby on the beach. Um, and so that's, that's been my experience. Oh, that's fantastic. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I've seen some of those folks in Hermosa Beach. I don't know if that's your crew, but. No, uh, I, I play up, up near Venice, actually. Oh, but, uh, yeah. There's competing clubs. Yeah, there. exactly. Wow. Apparently, it's the, the fastest growing uh, uh, sport in, in the U.S., collegiate sport in the U.S. So beach rugby go. or just rugby? Uh, just rugby. Okay. But I would highly recommend beach rugby. It's, it's uh, way more way more L.A. and way more fun. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I know. Good, good views and good, good ocean air. Exactly. Uh, well, thank you again for, for stopping by, Ahmed. Uh, we're speaking with Ahmed Marmouche, um, the CEO and founder of Handle Health. So thanks so much for coming down. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors again, PMALA and Unida. 
Thank you all for listening to us. And if you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button. Thanks again for joining us. And we'll catch you next time on Founders in LA. Thank you.